0: Come to us, Father, through your word and through your spirit, as we continue in our worship. Amen. Please be seated. Preparation is essential to our lives. This time of year, we're thinking about preparing for winter. Uh, we prepare our, our houses. People put up storm windows. People uh, check the furnace. People buy ice melt for the sidewalks, bring in the potted plants. We prepare our automobiles. We make sure there's enough antifreeze in the car. We buy another ice scraper because we can't find the ones we had last year. We, you know, we make sure the windshield wipers are, are will handle the ice and we uh, put on snow tires. We do all kinds of things to prepare our, our automobiles. And, and we prepare ourselves for winter. We get flu shots. We rummage around in the basement looking for gloves and hats and coats and boots and all those kinds of things. And, and, and we unpack sweaters from the cedar chest and we put an extra blanket or quilt on the bed or the, or the couch. But our preparations aren't limited to preparing for winter. We, we prepare about things all the time. We prepare for classes and exams and papers, or at least we're supposed to. We, we engage in preparation in cooking a meal or in, in preparing a lecture or sitting for an exam or reading a book. I so appreciate the the bell choir coming and playing for us this morning. And they've had a long morning. They've been here all three services. And I've listened to them enough to know they didn't just step up here today having never looked at this music before. They prepared. And preparation is is a part of our lives. So it shouldn't surprise us that preparation is at the center of the coming of Christ. Christ is comes to us as God with us. Christ comes to save us and to transform us. But we need to be prepared for His coming. Because we so often tune out when God speaks. When God reveals Himself, we're so often looking other directions. When He tries to get through, our our minds are so often preoccupied. And so before God speaks or acts or, or, or gets our attention... He sends someone or something to help prepare us. I've been wondering about this the last few weeks. Does Christ really need a forerunner? Does God really need to send someone ahead of Christ? Why not just send Christ? Surely God can get through to us on His own. But obviously that must not be the case. Because God knows that we're most receptive when we're prepared. Mark doesn't have much of anything at all to say about the advent of Jesus. We, we don't get from Mark any stories of a baby in a manger or magi or shepherds or, or a star. He doesn't add much of anything to our traditional Christmas pageants. I have a feeling Mark assumes that we know all that. And so Mark begins with John. And I think he begins with John because he wants to to reinforce and remind us and to challenge us about the importance of being prepared for Christ to come. Mark tells us that God puts his hand on John and says, Go prepare the way. Go go loosen up my people. Go open the doors for my son to walk through. And John's message is, it's clear and concise. People prepare yourselves for God to come. And so it's interesting that that the one who is sent to prepare says to people, prepare. I'm convinced that the degree to which the incarnate one has hold of our lives and has room in our lives is tied directly to our willingness to prepare or His coming, into our lives. When you read the Gospels, you're struck by the realization that that the difference between the people who receive Christ and reject Christ is preparation. I think that's why John is so essential to the story. I've never yet met anyone who came to the place where they they opened their heart to Christ who did that without experiencing some kind of preparation before that moment. Sometimes the preparation is through a a Christian that God brings into their life. Other times they're prepared through a series of people or through a series of events, or maybe one event. But no one comes to Christ in a vacuum. And I suspect you can see that in your own life as I can in mine. My great-grandfather was 70 years old when, when he opened his heart to Christ. He was uh, selling honey up in the, the northern part of Michigan and uh, got into a huge snowstorm and was forced to spend the night in a motel room. He didn't have anything else to do but to read the Gideon Bible that was in that room. And while he was reading that Bible, he opened his heart to Christ. one of the reasons the Gideons are so special to me. But that wasn't the first time God had been speaking to my great-grandfather. That wasn't the first encounter that my grandfather had with the gospel. My great-grandmother had been a living witness for him. Two of their four children had had come to Christ already in their their lives. And and the people of the Bel Air Wesleyan Church had an influence on my great-grandfather. It just all culminated that night in that motel while he was reading that Bible. But it was all those people and events that God brought into his life before that that made him ready in that moment. It says something to us about the the preparation being, being part of our witness. You know, the way we treat people, the, the kind of image that we portray for, for people about who God is and, and, and who Christ is and what it means to be a follower of Christ. God often uses us to prepare others. The problem is we so often get wrapped up in ourselves that we forget we're called to prepare people to see Christ rather than to see us. We so often are so concerned about our own agenda and about making our, the, our, our own points that we forget the whole thing is about Christ, not about us. John is very clear and declares, I am not the Christ. I can hear John saying, you, you think I'm something? I'm nothing. Wait till you see the guy who's coming after me. Now that, he's something. And John's pointing eventually leads to his disappearance from the scene. that's That's what people who prepare others do. You prepare people to see Christ, not to see you. If you're pointing people to something, you want their attention to be on the thing you're pointing to, not on you. And that mindset is essential and pivotal to understanding the preparation of Christ. But here's the interesting thing we will never be able to prepare others to receive Christ unless we are preparing our own hearts to receive Christ. This is not just a word of warning that John declares for people who have yet to experience Christ at all. It's for all of us. We all need preparing because we worship a God who works outside the boundaries that we tend to set up for God. We need preparing because we worship a God who doesn't always follow our normal way of thinking. I mean, we worship a God who comes, John says, baptizing us with the power of the Holy Spirit. And in his first public moment, steps forward and says, John, I want you to baptize me. Unless you're prepared, you're going to miss a God who acts like that. It's not normal. It's not how we tend to think of God. God can't be manipulated. God cannot be put into a box, no matter how much we try to stuff him into our boxes. God cannot be controlled by us. God will not be tamed by us. And so we need to prepare, or we will miss him. When he speaks, we won't hear. When he acts, we won't see. When he touches us, we won't feel him. The preparation for a God like that has to be a day-by-day, moment-by-moment kind of preparation. You can't do it once and say, I'm done. It's something we're thinking about all the time. Because every day we are faced with all kinds of intrusions into our lives. We're, we're continually being tempted to go our own way instead of Christ's way. That pull to go our own ways is pretty difficult to withstand because it's the pull of our natural, human, sinful nature. Our human default is self. We all know that. Self-absorption, self-centeredness, self-preservation, self-indulgence, self-seeking, self-serving, self-sufficiency, self-reliance. Our natural inclination is self. Our eyes are always wanting to focus on what we want to focus on. Our ears are most naturally tuned to hear things from our perspective. Our minds are continually asking, what does that have to do with me? How does that affect me? What's in it for me? No wonder we need preparing. John, quoting the prophet Isaiah, says that the purpose of our preparation is to make straight paths For Christ to come. And there isn't that imperative. The idea of clearing the way. Of taking the the twists and the turns and the ups and the downs that come from from our human decisions. And straightening them out. So that it's much easier to see Christ. And to hear Christ. And to experience Christ. To get rid of those things that, that hinder our ability to connect with Christ. It has always seemed strange to me that, that there are actually some places where, where, where the gospel writers tell us that Jesus, Jesus doesn't do very many miracles because the people don't believe. They aren't prepared. They aren't ready. There are too many obstacles blocking the way. And Jesus' work is limited. And there are too many obstacles to block our way, too. Obstacles of hate, bitterness. Obstacles of, of pride and arrogance. Obstacles of uh, ignorance and apathy. Obstacles of self centeredness, self absorption, and self reliance. And because it's self that we're fighting, It's hard. It's hard to get rid of those things. History and our own experience bears witness to the difficulty of clearing the obstacles of self in our lives. And God knows our struggle. God knows we can't remove these things on our own. There's not a one of us that's good enough to do that. So He comes and helps us. God often helps us prepare by bringing people into our lives. Sometimes these people are, are common and expected. You know, maybe a, a parent or a grandparent or, or a church person or a pastor or a Sunday school teacher. Maybe a professor. But sometimes those people are unexpected. Sometimes the events are unexpected. Unexpected. I wonder how many times God wants to use someone with a a completely opposite political view from us to say something to us. Maybe someone with a different theological perspective that God wants to use to to get our attention, to to make us aware of a new way that he wants to work in us, of, of a new thing that he wants to say to us. Of an obstacle that needs to be removed from us. I was uh, pretty much my uh, whole life up to uh, finishing high school absorbed into the uh, spiritually into the Wesleyan Church, and and all of my opinions and perspectives and about life and politics and church were defined by that influence. It was by and large a good influence. And, and yet I realized after graduating from high school that there were still a lot of things God wanted to do with me. And through a series of events, God led me to a very unexpected place. I, I ended up at George Fox College. And in this Quaker institution, I was stretched so many ways that there were days that I felt spiritually and mentally like a pretzel. And God was hammering away at me from all these unexpected places. And honestly, I was fighting it for a long time. I knew what, what, I had, what I believed, and nothing was going to change that, not even God. But He kept bringing people into my life, and He kept bringing circumstances into my life that, that surprised me and were unexpected. And all of a sudden, I could feel the walls begin to go down. And my pride and arrogance beginning to melt, and I began to see maybe they have something to say to me. Perhaps God wants to use a student to get the attention of a teacher, or a parishioner to get the attention of a pastor, or a person in a developing country to get the attention of, a, of people in developed countries. Maybe God wants to use the poor to speak to the rich or or the powerless to influence the powerful or, or the less educated to speak to people with numerous degrees. Maybe God wants to use a child to speak to adults. If we have a commitment to preparedness, we'll receive whatever God wants to say from whomever God wants to say it. I suspect that that John is is viewed as somewhat of an unexpected messenger. You read about John here and in the other Gospels, and you're thinking to yourself, am I reading about an episode of Survivor or something like that? You you know, it must be something that that Mark and the writers are are clear with us about about the clothes that he wears and, and the food that he eats. And you get the impression that because they bring it up, it must not be normal. Not everyone is going around wearing camel's hair and eating locusts and wild honey. But this is God's man for that moment. And sometimes God wants to use unexpected means to grab our attention and to help us see and hear. But God also uses normal channels to prepare us. For centuries, the church has called them means of grace because they are channels through which we experience God's grace most naturally. They're channels through which we hear and see and experience God. John Wesley spoke often about the importance of of the means of grace. He he divided them into two categories, works of piety and works of mercy. The works of piety, he he said, were were prayer, both private and, and corporate. He, t- he talked about searching the scriptures, reading and and, and hearing and, and meditating upon them, about receiving the the lord's Supper, eating bread and drinking the wine and remembering what Christ has done. He talked about fasting, he talked about Christian community, including both corporate worship and and some type of small group setting where where we can be more challenged and more held and held more accountable and the works of mercy were Doing good, visiting the sick and people in prison, feeding and clothing people, handling money with a generous spirit, and living with a commitment to promote justice and working hard to prevent injustice. I suspect that what Wesley called means of grace and and others, we might call spiritual disciplines. But they're things that, that prepare us to hear and to see and to feel and experience God in our lives common things that God has given us that we can appropriate and open up channels of God's grace to work in us and to minister to us and to speak to us. And the means of grace cannot and do not save us, but they are the means by which God helps us make straight paths for Him to come to us. They're the means through which God helps us clear the way for Him to work in us. They they help us remove the the blinders from our spiritual eyes and the wax from our spiritual ears and, and the hard casings that often surround our spiritual hearts. I suspect that our, our lack of spiritual power might well be directly linked to our unwillingness to utilize the means of grace that God has given us. Fred Craddy tells of visiting a woman in the hospital. One of the people in his parish, where he was worshiping, and she was facing surgery the next day. It wasn't major surgery, but it was still surgery. He went to her and to have prayer with her, but before he could even say anything, she was clutching and grabbing the sheet and the bedspread, and she was she was distraught and, and a wreck. And she said, "I want you to pray for me. I want you to pray with me." And and on and on she went, and he said, "Yeah, that's, that's why I came." And Seeing her, he he glanced over to to the table beside the bed, and and there was a stack of magazines, probably 15, 20 inches thick. And he said it was Hollywood Mirror and National Enquirer and National Whatever. he said there there were probably 50 magazines like that there. And he said, in his mind, he said there weren't two calories in the whole bunch. And he said, here she was, all worried and uptight and distraught, about this surgery and he said I thought to myself it's because she doesn't have any nourishment you know she she's she's given her mind to to all these other things instead of giving her mind to the means of grace that God has given her of prayer and of reading the scriptures and of, and being with people who could help her The means of grace help us prepare because they help us acknowledge our, our sin and our need for God. So you see in John's ministry of baptism, the religious leaders come to John, but they're repelled by his call to repent and to acknowledge their sin and their need for God that is involved in baptism. And eventually our preparedness is going to come back one way or another to our willingness to acknowledge our sin. And to repent of it. And to live with hearts that are open to God. It, it is not a coincidence that John preaches a baptism of repentance. Because until Christ can get, can get into us, until we acknowledge our need for Christ, he, he, is, he cannot get into us. He cannot transform us. He cannot help us until we acknowledge our need for Him to do so. the means of grace are not magic. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus affirms that that the religious leaders uh, pray and fast and give, and that's wonderful, but He condemns them because they do it all for a show. They do those things to impress people, not because they feel like it's a means of opening their heart to God. And you remember when the religious leaders confront Jesus about the, the company He keeps, and Jesus says to them, look, I, I came for people who are sick, not for people who are well. He means, I come, I've come for the people who acknowledge they need help. Not for the people who think they've got it all figured out. And you know, many of us have acknowledged our need for Christ. And we've begun on this, this journey of faith with Him. But we have to understand that that's a beginning, not an end. There are still obstacles that need to be removed. We still need to live with a spirit of preparedness. I sometimes wonder that if if it isn't true that those of us who have a history with God, that we might actually need to think more about preparation than people who don't have a history with God, because we can so easily become desensitized to God. We know. We understand. We get it. We've got it all under control. We've got God figured out. And so Christ calls us to a life of daily preparation. Because no matter how long we may have been in the church, no matter how long we may be, have been followers of Christ, He is never done with us. And if we are not intentional about our preparation we will soon find ourselves unprepared. So this morning we hear John crying out, prepare the way for the Lord. Prepare for his coming into the world. Prepare for his coming again someday. And in the meantime, prepare for his coming into your life. Gracious Heavenly Father, forgive us for becoming so enamored with the obstacles that prevent us from seeing you, hearing you, experiencing you. Father, we pray today that you will show us those obstacles that are blocking the way. Because we want to be open to you. We want to keep going deeper with you. We want to hear you when you speak and feel you when you touch us and see you when you reveal yourself to us. Father, this day as we come to, to experience together this means of grace, the table of our Lord, we pray that your blessing would, would rest upon the elements, the bread and the wine of which we partake. We pray that as we receive them, we will be empowered by your Spirit. We will experience your grace anew. And we will be filled with your spirit once again. Father, thank you for sending people into our lives to help us prepare. Thank you for the events that you bring to our lives that help us prepare. As we come to your table, let us come with openness and an acknowledgement of our continual need of you. Amen.